connection is key. That, that word connection is critical to the overall trade life cycle. It's everything. If instructions are sent from the buy side to the custodian in an automated way via Swift or some sort of STP dedicated data line, then workflows will be fully automated. The custodians are an instrumental force in hitting those settlement timeframes, making sure that collateral values are recorded. There's more demands on collateral inventory. There's more demand about collateral volumes and operations. Here's where automation and efficiencies are really important. From DTCC, you're listening to Advancing Financial Markets Together. Join us as we dive into industry trends and perspectives with our colleagues across the global financial services community. I'm Barry Trance and a warm welcome back to our listeners. Today we're going to talk about how the buy side is bracing for the final phases of uncleared margin rolls, or UMR as many refer to it. When these phases take effect, they will put stress on buy side operating models and introduce new costs and regulatory reporting requirements that require firms to do a fair share of heavy lifting in order to be prepared. With industry experts Amy Caruso, Head of Collateral Initiatives at ISDA, the International Swaps and Derivatives Association, and Bob Stewart, DTCC Executive Director of Institutional Trade Processing, we'll explore how buy-side firms are preparing for phases five and six, how credit and liquidity risk is impacted by the regulation, the critical need for automation, and the important role the custodian plays in ensuring the settlement process is as efficient as possible. So let's get started. So Bob, previous to DTCC, you spent over 25 years on the custodian side at Brown Brothers Harriman. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and how the custodian perspective helps in your current role at DTCC? Sure, Barry. Happy to. And, and yes, 25 years was an awful long time. My background there at Brown Brothers, where I was head of custody product, uh, I was focused on engaging the industry in an effort to reduce risk, increase scale, looking at the marketplace and, and how I can enhance our overall client experience from a custody product perspective. So within this capacity, I was able to learn quite a bit about DTCC products and services and the value that they deliver to the industry and to our clients. So the custodian perspective that I bring to the table at DTCC coming from BBH is helpful in my role now because I have that true client lens of the buy side, understanding their custodian-driven operational challenges that assist me quite a bit as I support these products and services at DTCC ITP. So this custodian bank knowledge provides me with an understanding of core operational requirements up and down the custody chain that range from the operational component to internal compliance and risk challenges that a custodian bank may have, all the way to direct client impact. So broadly speaking, this knowledge has helped me quite a bit in supporting products such as margin transit utility, as well as DTCC ITP products and services in general. And I'm happy to be here. Well, Bob, DTCC is very fortunate to have you on staff. Amy, can you share with us some background on your career and what you focus on in your current role at ISDA? 
Sure. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here with you, Barry, and with you, Bob, as well. You know, I was thinking about this a little bit, and it's not like you grow up saying, I want to work in derivatives regulatory reform. That's not really something they put up on career day. And frankly, I fell into derivatives. I was working at Mass Mutual and the then asset manager, Babson Capital, now Bearings, back in 2010. And I was asked to oversee a 10-month project on mandatory clearing. And it's turned into many years now of derivatives regulatory reform. I went from uh, Mass Mutual and Babson to DTCC, where I worked with you folks, Barry in marketing when I was at the Margin Transit Utility and Bob as a custodian contact on that product. Um, And then in 2019, I moved to ISDA and I head collateral initiatives. So we work on a few different things. We help firms prepare for the initial margin rules under what we call UMR or uncleared margin rules. And we also help with building operational efficiencies with data standardization and process improvement. So that's our focus right now is really driving towards operational efficiencies where possible in the collateral management space. Great, Amy. Thanks for joining us. So before we dive into the collateral portion of this conversation, Bob, can you talk to us about how important the custodian is in ensuring the settlement process is as efficient as possible? And what is their connection to infrastructure providers? Sure can, Barry. And, and connection is key. That, that word connection is critical to the overall trade life cycle. It's everything. If instructions are sent from the buy side to the custodian in an automated way via SWIFT or some sort of STP dedicated data line, then workflows will be fully automated and it's nirvana. Web portals that custodian banks utilize are nice to have. They're less automated for the buy side, but they do help the custodian bank quite a bit with their own STP in their shop. And we all know they are much better than email, faxes, which we never want to say that word, but I said it, faxes that are non-scalable, highly manual, risky, et cetera, et cetera. So the focus is on connection. That's where we focus our major efforts on. And if I can jump in, quite often I'm I'm told by ISDA members and when I worked on the MTU as well that custodians are super important for that interconnectivity uh, and making sure that even when it comes to regulatory requirements where the buy side and the sell side are either the direct or indirect entities under the regulation, the custodians are an instrumental force in hitting those settlement timeframes, making sure that collateral values are recorded. You know, it's there's such a critical and important element in the collateral settlement workflow. Amy, they are, and I, I want to chime in on that and, and talk a little bit about the role of custodians here, which again is, is critical, but oftentimes the custodians don't move until their clients ask them to or tell them to. So that's one thing we should consider here is that ensuring the custodian bank community understands, appreciates, hears loud and clear from the buy side what is important to that buy side. And we get moving towards preparation of UMR because there really truly is an awful lot to prepare for. So now we know the important role the custodian plays in the settlement process. What about UMR phases five and six? How do they impact the buy side, Amy? Sure. So 
let's just take a little backward step to make sure everyone's in the same place. And we're going to go back to Pittsburgh, 2009, where the G20 met and many of their recommendations have been put in place. But there's this I think it's probably the last one, Bob, right? Um, around initial margin and and requiring collateral to be posted for uncleared derivatives. The, the scope of the rules include variation margin, which is already put in place, and initial margin, which had a phased approach starting in September 2016. And this rule includes things like describing in-scope entities, in-scope products, the implementation timing, also uh, the calculation of initial margin and the parameters of what you can and can't do, margin call and settlement timing. No longer can you just you know, say best efforts, it's got to be on a specific time frame. And then also remember the days where you just used what you agreed with your counterparty for eligible collateral? That's not the case anymore. You have to be within scope and the haircuts are prescribed by the regulators. And last but not least, there's segregation of initial margin. And this is a really critical component when it's when working with custodians is making sure that you have that segregated account set up on behalf of the secured party. And then with all of those rules and all of those changes, there's always documentation elements. So working with counterparties and also custodians are critical. So whether you have three counterparties or you have 300 counterparty relationships, there's a lot of work to be done on the operational setup. And then you have variable work to be done depending on the number of counterparties you have. And so, Bob, in, in terms of custodians, how how are they helping firms prepare for phases five and six? Specifically, what are some of the key challenges their buy side clients need to be aware of in terms of UMR implementation? Yeah, good question, Barry. So I'm going to key off of a lot of what Amy just said. So as we know, UMR mandates the posting of two-way collateral in the use of segregated accounts. Segregated accounts opened on the books of the custodian bank. This adds complexity in the form of contractual work that needs to be done relative to account control agreements, ACAs as we like to call them, between the buy side, the sell side, and the global custodians. And when we have these ACA agreements, it means we have to bring in legal folks from all three parties that need to oftentimes negotiate these ACAs, and it can take some time. So it's important to appreciate that, be prepared for that, and try to work through that challenge. It also means there is a need to open multiple, oftentimes numerous, segregated collateral accounts at the custodian, which is the operational component of the ACA. All right, we've got the ACA that's agreed upon. Now we need to open up the accounts and there's a process every custodian bank needs to go through to get this done. And sometimes it includes KYC data, additional client information that needs to be captured by that global custodian to open up set account. So there's quite a bit of complexity and time and operations that are required to support that process. And I'll say in closing, I think we'll also see from a GC perspective an increase in call volume. So more transactions flowing through the system, increased settlement complexity when compared with variation margin, which is just a you know one-way movement of collateral and uses bilateral non-segregated accounts. 
that are not on the custodian books. So that's a little bit or a lot about some of the complexity that's out there. So it sounds like there is quite a lot that market participants need to do in preparation for these next phases. Amy, how is how is ISDA helping market participants prepare? So ISDA is a member organization. So whenever I use the term ISDA, I want to make sure that I'm giving credit to all of our members and all of the good people who have worked on everything so far. But with that, We've all done quite a bit. I mean, prior to my joining uh, in 2019, you know, phases one through at that time uh, three certainly laid a great deal of groundwork around standardized initial margin methodology, the ISDA SIM. So that way, each firm and each entity didn't have to develop their own margin methodology. That was a key component of what was uh, worked on in the earlier phases. Also, working with custodians. They don't all have standardized documents. They don't all have the same exact documents, but at least getting some key terms and some structures in place were certainly helpful as firms got through the process. And that groundwork was really helpful um, for phases four and now going to phases five and six. But as we mentioned, phases five and six are a little different because they're primarily buy-side entities. They may not be using the same type of eligible collateral. They might have separately managed accounts that they're dealing with end clients, not just negotiating on their own behalf. And they also um, might be Uh, just have a different operational workflow. Maybe they're using an outsourcer or administrator. All of these things are relevant and maybe a little more relevant to phases five and six that we need to help with. So what we've done, um, I'll kind of go through a a few things that ISDA's worked on. We still have some clarifications with regulators around the world that we're working on. Harmonization is a lovely thing, but it's not exactly there yet. Very close, but not exactly. Our legal team has been working with custodians to have their uh, ACAs, as Bob mentioned, their account control agreements or equivalent. There's a few different terms out there, but generally ACAs. Have them reviewed and have them at least have the components that are needed for the initial margin requirements. And then within the collateral initiatives team, we launched what we call the ISDA Margin Info Hub, and it has about 30 or so resource documents that whether you're an ISDA member or you're not a member, you can go online to isda.org, go to the margin tab, and then the info hub tab, and you'll see four different categories that can help you with calculating your aggregate average notional amount, your self-disclosure process. All those documents that Bob talked about, you need to make sure you tell your counterparties and your custodians they're coming. You need to give them a heads up. Also, how to calculate initial margin how to set up your eligible collateral schedules, and last but not least, just general project management tools. We have checklists. We have project plan guides. So there's a lot that's there. We hope firms have moved along and are kind of midway or almost finished. But if they need any hints or if you're worried that you know, you're starting to plan for phase six, the resources are there to help. Thanks, Amy. It sounds like ISDA is being really proactive about educating market participants. That's terrific. Bob, so other than operational challenges and resource constraints, what other aspects of UMR will be difficult, challenging for the buy side? In my view, one word, documentation. And it's probably going to be the biggest challenge. And and I, I go back to the ACA comments that I made previously. So Either new ACAs are going to need to be created, 
current ACAs that are in place will need to be amended. Perhaps there would need to have a side letter to support legacy ACAs. I mean, personally, in my view, I feel that the side letter may be the best road to go down. It's a little bit less heavy if you currently have an ACA in place. So I suggest folks take a look at that as an option to maybe streamline the process. But either way, this process will require our legal teams to come in, to get involved, to negotiate, and to ensure that the appropriate documents are in place to go live. So documentation, that's my one word. And I totally agree with documentation. We have, as I mentioned earlier, some incredible resources around this at ISDA. And we also have some tools that are helpful, not only for the ACAs, but uh, for the credit support annex and the eligible collateral schedules with ISDA Create and some other transformational tools that we hope to continue to expand on. But we really want to make sure that folks listening are familiar not just with the custodian that they're pledging from, but the custodian they're receiving from. So there might be a custodian that they've never had a relationship with. They're going to have to get familiar with that custodian. So there's some KYC and onboarding components in addition to the documents that Bob mentioned. And ISDA has developed a what we call a collateral management transformation toolkit. And one of the four topics is around building a custodial onboarding program for segregated accounts. So that's also on our website for people to use. So what about managing credit and liquidity risk as impacted by UMR? How how are firms going to manage this? Sure. So I guess we could think of UMR as a way to reduce or mitigate credit and liquidity risks because you're posting collateral to and receiving collateral from your counterparties. And with that, there's more demands on collateral inventory. There's more demands, as Bob was saying, about collateral volumes and operations. And so Here's where automation and efficiencies are really important. So that way, the timing and your feedback loop with your counterparties and custodians is much quicker. I wish I could, you could hear me snapping my fingers uh, that things really have to be snappy when you're uh, working with UMR. Thanks, Amy. So Bob, over to you and changing it up a bit. What role do collateral settlement instructions play in processing margin calls? Collateral SSIs play a major role. Taking a step back, we all know the margin call workflow process starts with calculation, a call, an agree, a dispute, a pledge, a pledge accept, all the way to settlement and payment, which is probably the most critical component. If settlement instructions that are driving that payment are inaccurate for any reason whatsoever, the whole workflow fails because the payment does not get affected. And it ends all of the good work that was done further upstream. So to try to address that, firms have a number of different options in in how they settle collateral transactions. They could use the original SSIs of their account to instruct cash and securities, or they can create their own dedicated SSIs specifically for and unique to collateral moves. It's it's up to every entity out there. Uh, It's their choice how they want to settle their collateral. Now, I will say, The DTCC margin transit utility does provide that type of flexibility to our clients to choose those unique SSIs in which they choose to associate their collateral agreements to. And the MTU leverages alert, which most of us know is the industry best practice in managing SSIs. So that's a huge benefit of clients using MTU 
is they have the ability to leverage the alert SSI process in the streamline the control around the workflows. So let's talk about last year for a bit. Explosive pandemic-driven volume and velocity of margin call activity put a massive strain on margin and collateral operations with the strain linking back to the lack of automation. Amy, I know you touched on that before, but why do you think there's this ongoing reliance on manual processes around margin and collateral? And why is margin call automation so important? Well, it's important because it reduces operational risk. It can reduce counterparty risk, and therefore it also can reduce liquidity risk and possibly decrease additional costs and expense and improve investment performance to the end client. When I was at DTCC in a business development role, I remember vividly talking to one of my custodian contacts. It wasn't Bob. It wasn't Bob's firm, but it was uh, another friendly custodian and my pleasantly persistentness trying to get them to you know, come on board. And that was maybe mid to late 2016 before variation margin, big bang, before even initial margin phase two. And my contact told me he totally agreed. It made so much sense to move to automation of how it would help their firm, their clients, and their clients' counterparties. But there hadn't been the pain realized yet. And I kept thinking about that, and it, it hit me. Frankly, it's human nature, right? We, we don't really like to adapt until something is really painful, and I have what might be a very silly uh, anecdote, but a couple of weeks ago, I was about to make a, an apple cake and I only needed about three apples. And my husband's like, oh, I should take out this apple peeler, core slicer contraption, put it on the KitchenAid for you and, and you'll be able to do it really fast. Well, it was only three apples. You know, by the time he got it out of the, the cupboard, as generous and loving as it was of him to offer, it was just going to take more time. I didn't have that pain compared to when I'm making my famous apple pie jam, doing like a double or triple batch, I'm going to get that contraption out. It's going to be worth the time. It's going to be worth the investment. So coming back to derivatives and not my delicious apple cake, but it's very similar in that case. We feel it all the time in, in what we do individually. Firms needed to make that investment and needed to justify that investment. And unfortunately, the volume and the challenges with working from home have helped firms realize that the investment in automation is key. And if firms haven't yet, there's a great tool. I'm sorry if I seem like I keep plugging ISDA's website, but I just want to make sure that people know there's really good resources out there. We developed a, another toolkit around automating your collateral settlement process. And this was developed with working group members from buy side and sell side firms and Barry, your and Bob's colleagues and the margin transit group, they participated along with a number of others. And in that toolkit, there's some sample implementation plans, there's some use cases, and there's also an interactive cost benefit analysis. So that was a very long-winded statement. And I'm very sorry, hopefully my anecdote didn't take us too off track, but it's human nature to not move towards something better until we've seen the pain and agony. And hopefully our tool with the interactive cost-benefit analysis will help people justify the investment for whatever automation tool they should use. You make a, you make a great point, Amy. And I love your apple pie analogy. 
<laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say you love my jam. <laughs> Your jams are good too. The jams are really tasty. So there's there's a clear need for investment in automation. Bob, firms have budget to address UMR. Can firms realize other efficiencies from the work and the related spend associated with it that they're already doing to improve their fundamental collateral workflow? Yeah, Barry, they sure can. And I wish I had a great Apple analogy like Amy. Unfortunately, I don't. So I'm going to do my best with uh, a tangible example. So, so let's go back to collateral desegregation and, and going back to the spring pandemic that we all went through and the challenges that the industry had relative to release and settlement of collateral. And some of these challenges were a direct result of manual instructions that custodians are required to process. So most custodians are fully built to receive multiple SWIFT instructions that are fully automated to receive and confirm collateral movements and confirm back to the buy side in a number of different ways. Custodians, for the most part, have been building out these capabilities to manage this workflow and the collateral streams that support it. One specific message is a SWIFT MT527 which assists in the collateral release process. Most custodians are building out towards that, and I think most will be prepared to build out towards it in 2021 and 2022. That is something specifically that will help UMR that I feel that folks have been working on given the spring pandemic that we went through. Additionally, I'll say GCs have also been actively onboarding clients to alert Global Custodian Direct. For those of you that don't know GC Direct, it fully automates the management of SSIs at the custodian shop into the alert utility. So as more and more custodians onboard to GC Direct, they'll provide more timely, more accurate SSIs to that utility to help facilitate the movement, the timely movement and settlement of collateral transactions. Amy, what's your perspective? Well, On the um, contingent collateral management processing and inefficiencies, I think it's a great opportunity, if possible, for firms to take their UMR budget and say, oh, well, if we're going to automate this, can we also automate exchange traded? Can we also automate OTC uh, margin calls? Can we look at how we're reporting or doing reconciliations? And of course, the seg release process, which I know Bob is very passionate about, and at ISDA, our custodian collateral working group, which which launched in 2019, that's one of their biggest focus out of everything is we even have a list that we keep adding on more firms who want to automate that seg release process. So even though it's it can be impacted by initial margin, there's other reasons why you might have a segregated account. So really look at your overall collateral management process and say, well, if we're fixing it or we're building something new for UMR, let's see if we can make some improvements along the way as well. So might as well get more bang out of your UMR budget. There you go. That's the spirit. Well, this has been a phenomenal conversation, learning about how firms are preparing for the final phases of uncleared margin rules buy-side challenges, margin automation, and of course, the custodian perspective. Thanks to you both for for joining me today. But before we wrap up this dialogue, I'd like to throw a fun question out to you both. Um, I'd like to hear, you know, what do you hope to accomplish in the coming year? We have a a fresh new year ahead of us. Do I go first? Yes, you go. 
Yeah, I'll go, go first. Well, I'm looking forward to getting a COVID vaccine. I live in Western Massachusetts. So based on my parameters, it might be May, maybe April. So uh, once I have that, I'll really look forward to socializing more with my extended family and um, friends and also traveling to New York where our ISDA office is and meeting with more ISDA members in person. I'm also looking forward to improving my sewing skills. I have a few projects since I've been making masks and things. I'm going to expand upon that. And I also want to put in a new garden. Our garden last year was okay, but I want to go big. And I want to expand my jam making to canning vegetables. So those are my <laughs> my personal goals. Along the way, we'll work on some more UMR implementation and operational efficiencies in the collateral space. And I think 2021 is going to be a tough year because of the UMR requirements, but a really positive momentum year for operational efficiencies. What about you, Bob? I will be brief. So I'll say professionally, we are laser focused on looking to assist as many clients as possible as they prepare for UMR. And and personally, quite frankly, I just want to get out of my office basement and into a real office space. That's it. I hear you on that one. Thanks for listening to Advancing Financial Markets Together. To subscribe to receive new episodes directly to your inbox as soon as they're available, visit dtcc.com slash podcast.